the media landscape in America is busted. Americans are on to the omissions, the half-truths, and the outright lies being propagated against we, the people. Your host, Tom Harris, will bring you the other side of the story. The Green Movement has infiltrated our society and impacted many aspects of our lives. For example, we discussed the negative impact of industrial wind turbines in our past three episodes. They include the invasive health effects of living close to turbines, the fact that they only provide intermittent power so you can be left freezing in the dark, the human rights violations that occur when mining the materials for the turbines, and the inflated cost of electricity to consumers. But what can we as citizens do to stop these projects from coming to our communities. We'll be continuing our exploration of the detrimental effects of wind turbines on human health and society with our guest today, Representative Carrie Barth, who will help us answer that question. Representative Barth serves the 5th District in the Kansas House of Representatives as a Republican, winning the 2022 election and entering office this past January. She's studied the detrimental health effects of wind turbines in Kansas and has been fighting for the people of Kansas against the overreach of the industrial wind turbine facilities. So welcome to the show, Carrie. Hey, Tom, thanks for having me on today. Yeah, sure. So, by the way, is it snowing there yet? We get snow tonight. It, we had 70 degrees today, so 70 oh. is perfect for me. I love it. Oh, I love yeah. my favorite time of year. Yeah, I envy you because starting tomorrow, I won't be able to bicycle anymore. <laughs> but it sounds like Kansas is a lot nicer climate. But um, so why don't we start out right away? Can you give us an overview of what you've been doing to work to stop the overreach of the green movement in Kansas's energy supply? Yeah, absolutely. So it almost feels like what haven't I been doing when it comes to stopping the overreach as it as we're dealing with renewables, you know, green energy, just a lot of it started at the local level when I found out about it when I was out campaigning and door knocking and found out that the county I live in within two miles of where I live, they're planning on putting uh, wind turbines, uh, Nextera Energy is the company that's been signing leases with folks here locally. And one of my constituents, I was talking to her on her front doorstep and, you know, she didn't know if she was going to trust me or not initially when yeah. I first started talking to her fourth generation farm, you know, she's the fourth generation to live there and how they're going to be on all these sides of her and where she lives and all of the different effects uh, that she was worried about that she had done her own research on. And at this point in time, this is last summer in 2022, we're now here um, in November of 2023. And I just dug in Um, everything she told me resonated with me. Um, I personally had dealt with some issues with energy um, when I was back in 2002, I think it was. Uh, my husband and I lived in Florida at the time, and we lived in a part of Cape Coral, Florida, where our house didn't have anything behind it and nothing to the side of it. And we got one of those notices in the mail. And this is how it happens on a lot of things. You have no idea. We just bought the house, saved up our money for the first time, and then you've got this piece of land, and they were going to put a big, huge substation right next to our house and a and a sewage station right behind our house. So electrical- Oh, Wow. So we had a double whammy and because they weren't coming onto our land, you know, 
they, there was no eminent domain, so they wouldn't do anything for us. We lost money on our house. We had to list it for 12 months when it would have sold immediately. And so, as you know, in the world of energy, they will tell you whatever they want to tell you. And they're like, oh, no, these things don't hurt your property value. There's no ill health effects. These things are safe and effective and you have nothing to worry about. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we hear. So, so you, that's when you moved to Kansas. So we moved to Kansas back, um, actually, it's about 2004, to, yeah, right, about 2004, um, we came back to Kansas. So here locally, um, I've been involved at the county commissioner's level, at the county planning commission level, um, dealing with Douglas County, Kansas, um, one of the most liberal, well, it is probably the most liberal county in the entire state. Um, a lot of the folks here are drank or probably chugged the Kool-Aid for green energy. Um, so I've done a lot of research. You know, one of the biggest things that I think that surprised me was just looking at the atmosphere and what makes up the atmosphere, because we keep hearing about these greenhouse gases and these hazardous, you know, and these emissions. And so I thought, well, surely carbon dioxide must be a high amount of percentage, right, of our atmosphere. And I, after just doing a simple Google search, found out it's only 0.42% of our entire atmosphere. <laughs> yeah. and if you ask anyone, they will tell you that they think it's about 40 to 60%, somewhere in that yeah. range. And so we've been led by a lie. And my whole campaign was shining the light on truth and that I don't accept lies. My mom and dad raised me, especially my mom. You just don't lie. Mm -hmm. And so I just can't not accept when people lie. It's if you want to really tick me off, just lie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I will just yeah. do whatever I can to make sure that everybody knows you did that. <laughs> yeah, well, it was successful. I mean, I saw your campaign poster. And so you obviously won. And so was it a surprise or were you expected to win? Because you say it's a pretty liberal, liberal, liberal area. Um, so I live south of um, Lawrence, Kansas, which is the most liberal. So we're still rural, pretty conservative. And I've got mm -hmm. four counties in my district. So those other counties are also pretty conservative rural, Kansas still. Uh, we're just outside the Kansas City area. So we're kind of in that little bubble outside of the city um, is where we live in that area. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So since you've come in, you've been uh, actually you drafted a resolution to try to prevent Kansans from suffering from uh, infiltration of more and more of the green energy. Can you tell us about your resolution? Yeah, I actually have done a couple things at the state level. So the most recent thing I've done is the Kansas Republican Party energy resolution. And um, I actually had asked to be on the interim committee. So session ends in April. They then assign uh, representatives and senators to interim committees when we're not in session. One of those committees is on energy. Um, I typed up a really nice professional email, sent it to my leadership asking to be on it. Um, didn't hear anything back on it. So saw the list. I, my name wasn't on it. So um, I'm in sales for a living. So basically, that was just one door closed. That just means you got to go find the door that's open. And mm -hmm. that's how I got down that path of what else can I do? Obviously, this is not the end. We're going to figure out a way to, to do something. So I had met during session a guy by the name of Dennis Headkey. 
Mm -hmm. uh, Dennis Hedekey is a brilliant man. He's a geophysicist. He also was a past previous representative for the Kansas House. And he was one of he was a chair for our House Energy Committee and, and Utilities. So uh, he's had a lot of experience in, in energy. And, you know, he was pretty much on the same page and lockstep with me on these things. I had reached out to him and said, hey, Dennis, I have this idea. I reached out to the GOP party, found out that, hey, what I'm thinking about sounds like a resolution. I found out who is the resolution chair for our state party, reached out to them. Dennis and I decided to work together on this, and we came up with the resolution, um, which the resolution on energy, and I will give you a few points of it, what it says, because I think there's some pretty impactful things. Um, so Kansas has been... Basically, we have been seriously distorted by the 2009 Kansas legislature mandates. And despite attempts to moderate those mandates that were legislation passed in 2015, uh, the primary driver of this legislation passed in 2009 was based on seriously flawed assumptions. Namely, the colorless, odorless, essential atmospheric gas, carbon dioxide, has materially contributed to global temperature increases due primarily to human activities. Mm. I wish our politicians would have the courage to say that. <laughs> well, and the thing about it is this was the Republicans. We did this to ourselves and mm -hmm. we do this on all kinds of things. Um, we're not, I mean, we're not perfect. I think one of the biggest things that I also think is important is admit our mistakes, like as a party and, or as a person, right. And just own up to that, fess up to that. I made a mistake. Let's right our wrongs and move forward. So it goes on to say that it's incumbent upon us to elevate the truth, to act in accordance with credible factual data, that we must change course as it relates to policy and the energy sector. Uh, this change of course needs to deny any attempts to fast track irresponsible movements away from historically stable, market tested and technologically superior energy and power delivery and towards unreliable and foreign source technologies that imperil our economic and national security. Mm. So, um, and that's, I'm just kind of hitting some of the highlights. This is a 300 word doc, you know, document that we wrote with this. You know, I, we mentioned national security because what a lot of people don't know is that in addition to our ill health effects, there's a lot of things wrong with these wind turbines. One of those being is that they're primarily manufactured in China. Yeah, with coal. They, also, they use coal to make them. <laughs> they're also about, you know, anywhere from 300 to 600 or so feet here now in Kansas. So if you are in the military and we have McConnell Air Force Base, Forbes Field, Whiteman, we have Fort Leavenworth. I sit in the middle of all of those. If you have wind turbines all in that quad area, it makes it extremely hard for a flight to have a low flight pattern mm -hmm. during a national security emergency where that would be something that would be necessary. And I've talked to one of the majors in the air force who also informed me that not only that they mess up their radar. Oh, is that right? Wow. So from a safety perspective, they have no radar when they're around these. So that is a national security risk for us. So if you think about that, like what else, could those wind turbines be doing if we were in a national state of emergency? Is there any other capability that we're just not aware of that is inside those turbines? That yeah, for up? sure. 
Um, well, the, Chi the Chinese must love it, though. <laughs> the fact right? that it threatens the security by buying their machines. <laughs> yep. Um, we also state in our resolution that its irrefutable evidence demonstrates that ill health effects to mankind and the environment are occurring due to the side effects of industrial scale wind installations. Mm -hmm. So we, we talk about that. And really, the overall resolution is therefore it be resolved by the Republican Party of Kansas in view of the preponderance of evidence will support candidates and legislative intent regarding energy policy that will serve to provide protection to our citizens' security, their physical health, financial health, access to reliable energy and property rights across all Kansas counties. And mm -hmm. so that was the main, you know, what it's supposed to do, right, is that now we're going to support candidates, we're going to support legislative intent that follows what this resolution says. I think one of the biggest things that I was surprised about because I wasn't there at the night. It was September 30th. I wasn't at the, the meeting. I did not lobby on this. I It just went out and everybody had a chance to read it. Of all 105 in our counties, there's 181 people that vote. Of those, only one person voted against it. Really? Wow. So That's great. Unanimously pretty much passed. And what I thought was interesting is about that is we hear from legislators that are out of the Western Kansas area where the land is a lot more spread out. People are spread out. There's not as many homes. So they're less densely populated areas. And they're like, Oh, we, people love them out there. That's what I hear. Mm. Well, that's obviously not true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're Republican party delegates that go to, that represent their county and their area of Kansas voted with this resolution to state that it's not true. Well, yeah, that's really interesting because, yeah, it's interesting because here in Canada, especially in Ontario, when a landowner agrees to allow a turbine on their property, they have to sign a gag order where they cannot speak out against them no matter what happens, no matter what health effects they feel. So it's quite possible that the people who have turbines on those rural areas hate them but can't say it, but they could vote for you, vote for your uh, resolution. Yep. So it was super exciting when it passed. Um, it was a big win for us because now we can use this for all of our legislation going forward to do something. And, you know, I think it's really important because, you know, we have home rule here for the local counties that they like to use. But when it gets abused, because every county is what I call willy nilly, they all have some have zoning and planning, some don't. Some have regulations, some don't. Some have, you know, 1500 footbacks, 1500 setbacks, some but some have more. You know, it's hit or miss in every single county. Uh the one thing that I find is is that once they put a project in, the tune changes as the folks. They mm. they absolutely hate them and oh yeah. It's detrimental to the community. Um, and it's just a matter of time before you see the start seeing all the health effects, um, even the environmental effects. Um, some of them don't take very long. Some take longer. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of, that's interesting. Almost unanimous support. And of course, within that group voting, there would have been people of different sort of political leanings. So obviously people that were Republican in name only, as they call them, uh, they yeah. would have been more left wing. They also agreed with you. Yep, they did. Absolutely. Wow. It, it's. The truth cannot be denied any longer. Yeah, for sure. So so what's the impact of that now? Are the Republicans in the majority in your state? 
We have a super majority in our state, so we actually can override the governor's vetoes even. Wow. So does that mean that you can stop any new wind turbine projects if they're not located properly? So as of right now, nothing goes to the state level. Everything's done at the local county level. So this is the problem that we have and um, is where I'm looking at. We need legislation to help assist folks because it can be done at the county level. Uh, like Douglas County, they, they're recommending 1,500 foot setbacks. Mm, that's nothing. It is I mean, nothing. He- it's going to look like it's on top of your house. Well, I know I was just out visiting a wind farm south of Ottawa and in Ontario, they have to have 550 meters, which is about 600 yards. And that's too close. Well, even the decibels, they picked a higher level decibel and they, you know, they do like an average, which Mm -hmm. we all know is a joke because nobody's totally managing it. It really takes the people complaining over and over and over again before they actually will test or do anything. Um, because what happens is at night they crank those, they often get cranked up. And so the no- the noise transi- transmits further because of the cool, crisp air often at night. Yeah. Uh, it keeps people awake. I know multiple families now that have moved away because of it, um, that have just left our state even, which we're yeah. losing people. Um, little kids have a hard time sleeping. Um, one of the legislators, um, uh, has a, a grandchild that lives is surrounded by about 20 wind turbines Oof. and the little child has trouble sleeping at night. And I'm like, well, they're going to have health risk issues. That's just not okay. You have to have good sleep. Like every mm-hmm. doctor knows this and every doctor tells you, you have to have good sleep. <laughs> Other children, um, the family actually just up to moved and left their property because they had two little boys that couldn't sleep. And they did not, they did not even live in the County that had the wind turbines. Mm-hmm. So this is where counties literally need <laughs> They need some help because their setbacks don't, they don't care about the neighboring counties too bad. Mm -hmm. bad. They're going to be 1500 feet or whatever the distance is from your house. Uh, We had a wind turbine in Kansas here in Frankfort, Kansas, which is in Marshall County. Uh, You might've heard about the wind turbine blade that broke here. No, no, I didn't, didn't hear about that. So is it the end of our legislative session? And the wind turbine, the the blade, when it broke, it was like on a weekend, there had been some high winds. I think they had anywhere up to gusts of maybe 60 or 70 miles per hour or something to that extent. Um, No one was notified that the blade had broken. Actually, the the, one of the landowners that's a non-participating landowner had pieces of the blade all over his property. Oh, wow. One of the chunks of the blade went almost 2,500 feet. That's why you no know, everyone knows that 1,500 feet is freaking ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Common sense, like, and then just do the math and then measure it and then look at it and see how far does it go? Like they should never impact someone like that ever. So two and a half kilometers, that, that's incredible. Is that what you said? 2,500 uh, meters? 2,500 2, feet. Oh, okay. So half a mile roughly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but still, yeah, that's incredible. And you know, those turbine blades, the big, the big turbines, they weigh eighty tons each. So when you have one of those flying through the air, I mean, that's <laughs> that's pretty deadly. So yep. besides the personal anecdotes that you heard from people, did you actually find studies that supported the idea that infrasound was in fact a dangerous thing for people and low frequency sound and all the other effects that the wind turbine syndrome was not just psychosomatic? Um, not only have I found articles, there's like tons of them out there. There is so many different articles that you can read. 
about that talk about it. Senator Mike Thompson, he's the ex-weather retired weatherman from Kansas City. He's been on the news. He was on the weather for 40 years, has studied this stuff most of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he has brought had testimony brought into the Senate hearings on this from doctors. I've read their testimony on the sound and the effects of it. I mean, there's we're not hurting for information. Um, I actually had requested last year or this just this session, a budget proviso. It was a study on the health and environment effects as it relates to wind turbines, solar arrays, hydrogen hubs, and transmission lines. Mm-hmm. And this study was going to be one of a kind, the only one in the entire world that existed that was an independent third-party study that was not sponsored by name the energy company of any sort or any kind of lobby group whatsoever. That would be a comprehensive study of all the health wind effects. I had, it was pretty extensive of all the things that were covered in there. It passed our natural resources uh, committee and went to the appropriations committee uh, for this study. Um, I had, I think I got eight votes on it that voted for it. But the day that the study ha- um, or the budget proviso study occurred, there were people showing up in the masses wearing their red shirts to show their support for the budget proviso in this committee hearing. Yeah. Which is not normal for a budget proviso to get people coming from everywhere to support something like that. Yeah. Um, but it didn't just, pass, unfortunately. Eh? It didn't pass. No. Yeah. Um, I actually have it in a bill format now. So I've got lots of lots of different. I could come yeah. out of every direction this year, actually, uh, with legislation. So- so if the turbines are being approved at the county level and you've managed to have a state level resolution for the Republican Party and you control the state because of your majority, supermajority, how how can you actually get them stopped then if they're being approved at the county level? And does your resolution give you some sort of leeway, some sort of leverage, I should say? Yep. Uh, so there's different ways that we can introduce some legislation that could potentially stop the abuse and the attack on people's property rights and their health in their land. So um, one of those ways, actually, Miss Ruby Mecker, who you've had on your show, I met oh, yeah. her this year. She shared with me that one area in Canada had some success with requesting a written guarantee in the contracts from the energy companies that there wouldn't be no ill health effects And so uh, that's one way is that we could have them guarantee, you know, they're so safe and effective, guarantee it, have extreme levels of penalties and fines for anything else, including fully decommissioning them immediately. And taking them down. Take them down, get them out of there if they hurt anyone, you know, Mm -hmm. it's life is too short and too important. And for us to not value the basic abilities and freedoms for individual liberties and life in the pursuit of our own happiness, which is constitutional. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, it, it's insane to think that somebody would be okay with that. And, mm-hmm. and we're not talking about like one little facility here or there. We're talking about these being sprinkled and pincushioned across our entire state. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They are looking well, at us being a central hub for a lot of America and even, even Canada uh, with as, a, as an energy source. And yeah. 
Well, you have to keep us up to date to see if you're able to do that, because if they sign agreements, you bring in experts and show that there are serious health health effects, then, yeah, get them to take them down. I mean, that could be the, the resulting penalty, and that would be a significant penalty right there because they're very, very expensive to take down. Well, the goal would be is that they wouldn't. I think they won't sign them in the first place because they know uh, the truth. The goal is yeah. that they will not exist yeah. because there are ill health. I mean, we're not we we know the truth. We know that they cause ill health effects. We know that they hurt property values. We know these things. It's not a guessing game anymore. Mm-hmm. And so. Yeah, and I should I should direct listeners to the program we did last week with an expert in infrasound, which is the low frequency sound below 20 hertz. Her name is um, Mariana Alves Pereira from Portugal, actually. Mm-hmm. And she's a specialist in infrasound. And she explained the studies they've done, which support exactly what you're saying. And, it, you know, it's interesting because there are also videos on the Internet, which, of course, talk about this just being psychosomatic. And she said, well, OK, if it's psychosomatic, then why does it affect chickens and horses? Horses and dogs, and, and you know they're obviously and cows, not worried. like yeah. milking cows and animals yeah. that are breeding, and you know there's a lot of different things. Um, there's a guy who calls himself an expert. Um, a law firm here locally hires them, him from Canada, and you know he came to one of our. Well, what was it? it was a subcommittee wind regulation subcommittee hearing that they had, it's recorded on Zoom. And the guy that's supposed to be the expert shared that infrasound is real. Oh yeah. And there was like two experts there. It has a vibration type of sound. Like he described it as think of when you're driving down the road, you're kind of going fast and you roll your window down a little bit and that annoying little vibration sound that bothers That is a type of infrasound, much like the wind turbines is how he described it. And I was like, that should resonate with everybody. What infrasound feels like then. Yeah. Except that it doesn't go away when you, when you stop driving your car, it's there all night. You know, it's interesting because I asked Mm -hmm. um, professor Alves Pereira, what does she recommend people do when they already have a turbine near their home? Well, the first thing she said was they should move away, especially if they're pregnant, because indeed that's a time when the fetus can be greatly affected. But she named some really other interesting solutions that some people have. In Germany, one family has built a bunker because they don't want to sleep when the tur- you know where they can feel the turbine. So many meters underground, I don't know, I get the impression it was at least 20 feet underground, is oh. their bedroom. They actually built a bedroom bunker so that they could sleep there. Other people are buying campers, you know, trailers, and they're pulling them to several miles away and sleeping there. It's interesting because in the case of the chickens, one of the effects was that they felt they were probably not getting enough sleep. And so they took the chickens away to a remote location, afar from the turbines, and they slept for four straight days. So, you know, when I asked Mariana, well, I mean, what about these people who say it's psychosomatic? She says, well, it's not psychosomatic when a chicken or a cow or a dog is affected, and they are. And she says it's killing some of them. That's just, that's how bad it is, you know, if they're really, really close. We have to go yeah. for a break now. But after our break, I'd like you to talk about what problems there are with the green movement in general and how it's been harming American citizens. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after the break. 
world-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Cofix RX Nasal Solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code out loud. The buildup of spike proteins is dangerous to your health. Global Healing's foreign protein cleanse detoxes your body, removing the spike proteins, allowing your body to repair from within. Formulated by Dr. Edward Group and by Dr. Brian Artis, foreign protein cleanse targets and detoxes spike proteins in the body. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. With the rise of independent media, we are now AmericaOutloud.news. For the genius of the United States is not found in its executives or legislatures, nor its ambassadors, authors, colleges, or churches, nor even in its newspapers or inventors. The genius of the United States is we the people. AmericaOutloud.news. Liberty and justice for all. So I'm back with Representative Carrie Barth from the 5th District in the Kansas House of Representatives. She has entered office last January and she's been studying and helping people uh, avoid the detrimental health effects of wind turbines. So you were telling me something during the break, Carrie, about a family who had some solution to sleep problems because, of course, that's when the wind is strongest. And also, in many cases, that's when their health is most at risk. Well, they don't really have a solution yet. Um, The wind turbines, this just happened last week, the wind turbines in Schuyler, Missouri, which is our neighboring state to the east of Kansas, uh, just went live with a project. And within the first few nights, the husband and wife 
could not find a place in their house where they could sleep. One of them, they went upstairs. They went into the basement trying to find a place in the house where the sound and the just that vibration feeling did not affect them. And this is now a week later, and I don't know if they have a solution yet. I mean, you know, you're talking about making people move really or building a bunker way deep yeah. in the ground in order to avoid it is kind of the, probably the solution. But moving is probably the only other real solution is to get away from it. Yeah, well, Professor Alves Pereira, what she did is she put in people's homes special sensors that would detect infrasound. And then she had people keep a log as to when they were not feeling well. And she purposely did not allow them to see the actual measurements because otherwise it might be psychosomatic. I might say, oh, wow, look at this graph. It shows a lot of infrasound. I feel sick. But no, she didn't tell them. They weren't able to see the, the actual measurements. And she said there was a direct correlation when they looked at the data later between when people were reported having to take sleeping pills to sleep when they had anxiety and things like that and the higher levels of infrasound. And you know, it's interesting, apparently one of the things that hides infrasound, the wind turbine companies in some cases measure it in DBA. And I don't know yep. if you've heard that. DBA, DBA is supposed to, DBA. Yeah. Yeah, it's supposed to simulate human hearing. So DBA around 10 Hertz, which is infrasound, shows almost nothing even though there might be a heck of a lot of infrasound. And she was showing in her presentation that typically around 10 hertz, I can't remember the exact numbers, but whatever you measure in DBA, you have to add 70 decibels to, to know what's really there. So when she's measuring it, she doesn't measure DBA. She measures linear DB, which actually shows what's really there. And as I say, it was the directly correlated with when the people had to take tranquilizers to sleep or whatever. So, I mean, I think that this, you know, one of the things that's sort of pathetic is they, instead of a placebo, they call it a nocebo. In other words, people feel sick because they think they would be detrimentally affected, so they feel sick. And uh, But it's not true. I mean, as I say, chickens are not terribly psychosomatic. <laughs> so look, well, even the at CDC posts on their website that you should only have a certain DBA, like loud, how loud it is, right? Yeah. And counties, the county where I live in has recommended a higher level than what even is recommended by. Like, oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, she was showing in this presentation I was watching that the DBA, it totally hides the infrasound, you know, and that's the trouble. It has to be DB linear. And uh, so, you know, when people say, oh, well, it's only so many DBA. Well, no, who cares what it is? She says they're putting a massive filter on it. So generally speaking, uh, what do you see as the problems with the green movement and how it's been harming American citizens? Uh, well, it's been harming it from several different ways from, you know, everybody thinks, well, the first thing is, it's just going to hurt your, your view. Right. And, yeah. and it does. That is true. It changes your, your view and your peace of quietness. But the, the, the sound is one thing we've talked about. Um, something that I've been researching quite a bit is the issue with aquifers and affecting water sources. Mm -hmm. with turbines. And this is a massive health effect because water is one of the four necessary things that we need as humans to live. Mm -hmm. And there are three parts in Canada. And there is one place in Douglas County, Illinois, that all have something in common. That is, they all have wind turbines. They all have aquifers that are shallow. And they all have, the because of the wind turbines, have contaminated their water sources and they no mm -hmm. longer can drink it. They cannot use it to wash their clothes. They can't shower. So it's really a, 
is a horrible thing because these people's lives are forever changed. They have to haul water. And in Kansas, that would be a huge problem for us if that actually starts to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, Western Kansas has extremely deep aquifers and they have shorter, smaller wind turbines. So we haven't had the problem in that part of the country with any of our water sources. But as we get closer to the eastern side of our state, we have very shallow aquifers. My aquifer where I live personally, which we're on the Osage aquifer, is shallow. Ours is 85 feet, but I know people that are neighbors of mine that hit at 20 feet. Oh, wow. So is it because they they break the aquifer sort of uh, layers when they build the turbine? Is that why it's polluting the groundwater? So... Underneath the surface of the ground is the base of the wind turbine, which is pretty humongous. Um, And they don't really do a good job of showing online. It's really hard to find the exact research of the construction of these that are now 600 feet tall. But you're talking about 30 to 40 plus feet deep under the ground of solid concrete and rebar. And then below that, so even further into the ground, they pile drive. And pile driving is used in order to create a stabilization engineering effect Mm -hmm. for stabilization of these humongous wind turbines. When you do that, you're going through the layers of the soil, which is when you can puncture and open it to expose it to your aquifer. Mm. And in rural areas, everyone's pretty much on well water. We do not have public city water access in the rural parts of Kansas. So we're all on well water. We love our well water. Like I would be devastated that actually happened if they did that to our water sources here. Uh-huh. Um, I call that like, you know, they use the word forever chemicals. I call this a forever problem because it's in your lifetime, not going to go away once it happens. And it's not overnight that it immediately happens. So if you also think about you drill these holes down through the different layers of your soil, you have the wind turbines vibrating constantly with the wind, creating the shaking of the sediment of the different layers of the earth to go into the aquifer. So right. in Canada, the main thing that they have a problem with is black shale. And so the water, if you see pictures of the water, and I have pictures of this documented from folks that actually have had this happen, it turns your water almost a grayish black color because black shale turns things gray black. Mm-hmm. Um, black shale is a carcinogenic hazardous material. Um, where I live, we have seven different layers of, of earth um, including gray shale. So gray shale, I researched that is a carcinogenic hazardous material. It would ruin our water sources if that were to get into it. So, you know, you, you look at the blade com- you know, composition and how they're made and things that people worry about the degradation of them and those getting the water sources. That's just, there's just multiple levels of risk here. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned earlier on the show about the Frankfurt Marshall County, Kansas wind um, turbine blade and how it shattered everywhere the main issue that they had was the fiberglass issues and the risk of that getting into their water sources. If a big uh, rainstorm came through, it actually ruined their, their, um, the ability for their cattle to eat the grass where the, the cattle were across the field, oh. from the wind turbines. Yeah. Um, the guy couldn't even bale his hay on the land either. So it really does create a hazardous problem. Um, part of my research is not just, you know, I'm searching out there, like how to deal with remediation of these hazardous materials, because it Mm -hmm. is a risk to people's health. Um, I called FEMA and talked to someone there and guess what? We have zero remediation for wind. We have zero remediation for solar. So 
because they're mm -hmm. supposed to be environmentally friendly. <laughs> I called the EPA. Guess what? Environmental Protection Agency has nothing in the books for remediation of hazardous materials of wind and solar. Mm -hmm. I called the Kansas level SEMA, or it's our state, it's a SEMA, um, just like FEMA. We have nothing. I called our Kansas Department of Health and Environment. We have no remediation at the state level. We have a Kansas like EPA type of level. Literally everybody I call, there is nothing that exists. So from a state legislative standpoint, we need something in place that helps us with remediation yeah. of these hazardous materials um, because there is nothing in place. Like So when everybody needs to go to decommission these here in the next, you know, let's say probably the next 10 to 20 years will be the, a big impact of decommissioning. We have no way of dealing with any types of hazardous materials around them because I do think yeah. there are more additional things. If you just look at all the different ways of how they're going to decommission them, where are they going to go? They're degraded already. So now you've got those risk factors in place. So I could go on and on about this stuff. There's just a lot yeah. of things people aren't thinking about. And, you know, you just can't do something and hope it works. Yeah, I, no I should just tell, tell tell listeners, when I was visiting with Rudy Mecker, who was my guest two weeks ago, uh, one of her friends actually gave me a little jar full of the water from their well. And boy, you shook it and it was, you couldn't see through it. I mean, it was that bad. And so what I'm going to do actually is I'm going to take a picture of it in the sunlight so people can see what it really looks like when the black shale is interfering with the water, because that's indeed what happened. And I think this one I'll check with, but I'm pretty sure it came from South, Southwestern Ontario. Um, and so I'll, I'll identify where it came from, but it was black shale that was doing that. So yeah. do you think as a state legislator that you have the power to introduce legislation that would handle the water issue? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And it's my intent, just like the resolution I wrote, is to introduce it and to garner support for it, because I think that people are starting to hear more and more about the risk factors and, and listening more. Mm -hmm. The lobbyists are strong. I mean, when I had my budget proviso in the state house, uh, I was told by a fellow legislator that they believe anywhere from 50 to 75 lobbyists were hired to combat my proviso. The oh money my God. they spend, <laughs> the time and effort they spend to ignite the light and the truth is extensive. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, my next question was going to be, and I think you're partly answering it, what role do government representatives have in fighting for their citizens' freedom to live without the influence of industrial wind turbines? I, I guess one of the things they can do is insist on legislation and pass legislation that it determines, you know, whether or not they can pollute the water without any consequences and how they're going to take them down, how they're going to decommission them. I mean, that's something that you can actually do at the state level, right? Right. And we should actually work to stop them before they ever do have a chance to pollute the water. Mm -hmm. uh, What's interesting is these folks get hired and they're like, oh, well, we have people that do that. We check all these things. We're looking at and validating and testing and whatever. Mm -hmm. Top contractor comes along and they have never talked to anybody at the county. They've never talked to anybody at the energy company. They just are out there to do a specific job and they don't understand all the ramifications and the intricacies of that specific area. They are what I would call clueless. Yeah. <laughs> and this is what we're dealing with. And these are the problems we have is that they're just some guy who's coming to do their job. They're not there to be an expert on anything other than that one little job. 
Uh-huh. And it strikes me that if you were to have legislation which required them to decommission the turbines in an environmentally safe way, a way that doesn't affect the population, and also that the water would be regulated and they'd have to pay compensation, those things would have to be factored into the initial cost of the, of the whole project. And that could actually make the projects not tenable economically. And that might be a way that you could actually stop a lot of them from going forward. Yep. With the guarantees that they won't cause any of these harms, too. And if they do, they will have to pay massive penalties. Yeah, it's interesting because on a slightly different topic, I'll show you how the turbine companies are hiding what's going on. You know, there are millions of birds and bats being killed by these big turbines. And twice as many bats are killed than birds because the bat only has to fly in the low pressure zone behind a turbine blade and their lungs burst and they drown in their own blood. And I have a friend who runs a bat sanctuary. I'm not terribly fond of bats, but he thinks they're great. And of course, they eat lots of mosquitoes, so they're very important uh, for pollination, all sorts of things. But he says that some species of bats in Ontario are being driven to extinction because of our thousands of 60-story high wind turbines. You know, yeah. so it really is there. Um, but anyway, right. what what happens is many of these turbines that kill golden eagles and vultures and hawks and all sorts of things. Look at the Altamont Pass wind farm in California. I mean, they kill, I think it's 117 golden eagles per year, and they've been operating for 40 years. So we're talking about thousands of golden eagles that have been killed there. But what happens is before the tourists come at dawn, they clean up all the dead birds. And so the tourists, never see it because they get there before dawn and i understand it's it's like a mcdonald's for foxes because the foxes hang around and they get lots of uh they get lots of dinner you know because so many of the birds are killed but um yeah so we have to expose this more and more so i'm really glad you're well, doing the energy that. companies don't care and um, there's a lawsuit against um i forget the lc i think it was a different llc but it was part of next era energy and they had it went to a federal court case and they just basically pled guilty and paid the, I forget what it was, $8 million or so. And they really don't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, No big deal to them. That's that's just their pocket change. Yeah. And, and, you know, ultimately it's coming from the consumer because we have to pay the wind turbine companies for the, you know, for the electricity, whatever we do get. And in Ontario, they give it prefer- preference over uh, conventional power. You know, whenever it's available, they have to take wind power. So we got 10 minutes left. And what I'd like to do is talk about your recommendations for how citizens what can they do to fight the introduction of wind turbines starting right at the beginning? I guess the first thing they have to do is learn a lot about it so they understand what's going on. But what would you recommend that people do? So ideally is hopefully your area has no one, no energy company talking to landowners to buy their their land and lease it or whatever. Ideally, it would be great to find commissioners that are already in the know and know the truth about wind turbines and solar arrays prior to any project coming anywhere near your your county. Educating your neighbor is number one. Um, what I have learned is that a lot of these folks go door to door and just hand out a piece of paper in case they're not there, but they say, hey, this is going on in our community. We already have named the energy company who's signing leases. We know of 10 people. I'm just making up numbers, right? But mm-hmm. we know of 10 people that have already signed in our area. And they're like, what? Yeah. These are happening? I had no idea. And just educating them on, you know, and here's what our concerns are around them. Please do your research. Join this Facebook group. And also, will you go talk to your friends and neighbors also and let them know that this is happening? 
So the goal is to like basically have everybody in the know what's happening. And so ideally you're going to have everybody against it and only the people who sign the leases who are for it. And in most counties, that's pretty successful. Uh, We have some counties though, that they just don't listen and don't care. And Mm -hmm. it's really disheartening when that happens. Um, also, uh, some groups are forming, formulating 501c, uh, I think it's 501c3 companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nonprofits. They've hired an attorney and they already know the legal action they will take whenever name the thing happens, right? Oh, wow. And, and they so make that known. Right. They probably make that known, eh? So that the wind turbine companies know there's going to be legal consequences. Um, well, it's not just the wind turbine companies, it's the counties. They're going to get mm-hmm. sued. Yeah. More and more counties are going to get sued because they are the ones who are letting it happen. And so Mm -hmm. um, they are having backdoor meetings with the energy companies. They are not complying with open meetings um, information. This goes against our Kansas Open Records Act, our Kansas Open Meetings Act. Um, They're all at jeopardy of being sued at this point Mm -hmm. in time because no project happens without these meetings happening on the front end. Mm-hmm. The way that these folks are like buddy buddy with name the energy <laughs> company and their attorney that's at every single meeting and I go to everywhere, um, there is stuff going on behind the scenes that is undoubtedly what's happening. Yeah, well, here There's in that. Ottawa, some some of the counselors after they leave their job, they actually end up working for the enviro activists, mm-hmm. you know, and they're getting contracts to do studies for the city, and they, they're a former employee of the city. I have a strategic question for you. Well, I have one more thing you need to do. Is oh yeah, sure, sure. Their legislators, their state representatives, and their senators know that they don't want these things, and they're tired of the abuse, and it needs to stop, and that they that they want them to support legislation, and that will help them not have these or somehow just help them deal with the ones that they already have projects, because that has not been something that has been happening. There's people that have brought stuff forward over the last several years, and it's not been successful to date, but they need to hear from their constituents. And if you're not reaching out to them and telling them and putting pressure on them to let them know to stop being bought by the lobbyist, Mm -hmm. So for the individual person, then it is worth writing to their their representatives. There's no question about that. Like you actually see the letters. You know, it's interesting when I worked in the House of Commons in Canada, my boss, I will admit, unless I got a thousand letters saying the same thing, he really didn't pay much attention. I mean, what about what do you see from the inside? I mean, if you get 10 letters expressing concern about a topic, do you do you have time to take it seriously? I would love to see letters that rarely happens. It's emails nowadays, primarily, and some phone calls. Mostly email is what we get. We get bombarded with emails. It's really hard to go through emails. Um, But I have people, so during legislative session, I had 30, I think 31 counties reach out to me specifically. And I Uh remind you, I only have four counties in my district. 30 some counties reached out to me. Please help us, you know, Representative Barth. We need help. No one's helping us. No one's listening. You know, Senator Mike Thompson has done a great job, but no one's been effective of doing anything for the state of Kansas to help us yet. And Mm -hmm. I actually think we have a ton of momentum right now. I think that people are hearing a lot more things. Um, I've been pretty vocal and that's probably my gift I have is being vocal about this at the state house. So people know that they can do the research. I provide information to folks, um, and so the more informed people are, the harder it is for them to not do the right thing. 
Do you think that it's actually more impactful if people send you actual hard copy letters? Does that, would that be more likely noticed? It would make for dramatic effect when I could huh? go into an off, into a meeting and dump them all out and say, look, yeah. these are your constituents. You're not listening. Ah, okay. So it's worth taking the effort and, and the small charge to send a, a letter versus just a quick email. I could. I haven't had enough to make a difference yet. People just don't yeah. mail things anymore. I mean, they just don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have, a, I have a strategic question for you. Um, okay. The reason for the wind turbines is supposedly to help stop climate change. You know, that's the, the underlying driver. And what I find so often seems to happen is when people point out the negative consequences, the environmentalists and the politicians who agree with them will say, yeah, yeah, that's pretty bad. But we have an existential crisis that threatens the whole planet. And I'm sorry, you're going to have to put up with this sort of thing. So it seems to me if you can kill the climate scare or at least get people to have a lot of doubt about the whole idea that we control the climate, surely that would help defeat the wind turbines. Do you think that is a strategy that some of these people should be taking is going after the root of the problem, namely that the climate scare is not founded on solid science? I mean, absolutely. And, you know, that's so interesting. You talked about the, the things about this is wind turbines are supposed to help with climate change, it's green energy. I say it's really anything but green. I call it more brown or black energy because you have blackouts, you have brownouts. Oh, yeah. They're unreliable. Um, but there's so many things. There's studies. Even the University of Kansas here locally did a study on um, the wind turbines and having too many, you know, so many different around each other that you actually have like this negative airflow effect. Also, yeah. there's a study that shows that the ground around the wind turbines is dries out. So if you're a lot of these are in agricultural crop fields. So if the grounds dry around it, that does not do very well for crops. We already a lot of times don't get enough rain in the first place. So that would be that's another negative effect of these wind turbines. But do you think it would, you know, you risk being called a climate change denier if you bring this up in a meeting. For example, on Friday, I'm going to a meeting where they're talking about putting in massive battery packs to back up wind turbines, which will, of course, give them more license to build more wind turbines. And what I'm thinking of bringing up is you realize that the reason that we're doing these turbines and battery packs is because you think that we control the climate. And I mean, do you think that that strategy is it is it a danger strategy to use because you risk being dismissed as a denier? Well, there's absolutely climate change. It naturally happens. Yeah, of course. Time. We all yeah. know that from the beginning of time, regardless of the humans on Earth, planet Earth, which used to not be very many, every hundred years, the climate's going to change regardless of what you or I do, period. Mm -hmm. um, battery packs, wind turbines, solar panels, all of these things require resources. Uh -huh. All of them are done, if you look and research any of this on any piece of paper of, of research, all take resources. They all take natural resources. They all destroy our earth. A lot of them even use um, their, uh, the national government, federal government passed a law, which was the Uyghur Region Force Prevention Labor Act, Force Labor Prevention Act. It passed last year. It went into effect June 21st, 2022 because of the forced slave labor in the Uyghur region, the Xinjiang region of China, where they were mining and using basically slave labor. Mm -hmm. So also some of the products, like for some of the batteries, like the lithium is I think mined and bred in the Congo, you know, like, which is a hazardous cancerous material and people's not even just mining that is at risk. So like when you yeah. look at, when you look at green energy, you look at climate change, like you look at the environment, just look at all these pieces of all the things that we're doing 
that actually are even more destructive to even just do what they're going to call something that's supposed to be green energy. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it was green energy, it wouldn't take a subsidy of green money to subsidize it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, I mean, the green is the, it was the, the money laundering scam that it takes <laughs> for us to make these even happen. One big wind turbine, the most output it could have is three megawatts. Mm-hmm. And that's not mm-hmm. a good day. In Kansas, I think it's something like 15 days that we have that are ideal to generate 50, the three megawatts out of that one wind turbine. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about minimal energy, which takes up a monstrous space for just one. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you look at like a whole nuclear plant or something to that extent, which may be acres large, but it's one little, it's just one in one specific area affecting yeah. one specific place only versus lots and lots of acres. Yeah, when it goes to podcast this interview, I'm going to actually put an image that shows the equivalent between a nuclear station and a wind wind turbine farm for producing the same energy. And it's pretty incredible. I mean, it's like, I don't know, a thousand times more space for the wind turbines. So we have to wrap up now. My guest today has been Representative Carrie Barth, who serves the 5th District in the Kansas House of Representatives. And she's actually been studying the detrimental health effects of wind turbines and been fighting for people uh, in Kansas against the overreach of the industrial wind turbine facilities. Thank you very much for being on my show today, Carrie. This is Tom Harris with my guest, Representative Carrie Barth, signing out from the other side of the story. 